Hello, my name is Christelle. And I'm Dee. Kukunzite Stories is a podcast where we talk about our lives and experiences as Filipinos in Germany. Our guest today is Mr. Paolo Damondon. He is the Senior Director of Policy and Partnerships at RARE, a conservation nonprofit organization. And he moved to Berlin in the middle of the pandemic just last year. Hi, Yay, Paolo. Hi. Hello, hello. Hi, Crystal. Hi, Dee. Welcome. Um, hi, and thank you for having me in your show. You're most welcome. So before we talk about your move to Berlin during the pandemic, can you Tell our listeners a bit of information about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I'm Paolo Dumondon, born and raised in Metro Manila, uh, married to a most beautiful wife, uh, Melody, wow. and then a proud <laughs> father to a nine-month-old uh, whose name is Paco. So this year actually marks my 15th year working for in the development space, working for various nonprofit organizations. Um, and I usually deal with issues like social, environmental, good governance, tenure, um, rights, um, etc. So it's been a privilege and, and really having that opportunity to help some of our social movements and, and environmental causes in the Philippines and in the region and globally. Wow, that's great. That's, huh? Yeah, that's what really... What a introduction. <laughs> yes, that's really good to know. And... What made you decide to move here? It seems like you are very passionate with what you do um, and like it impacts the Philippines directly. So, yeah, what brought you to Berlin? I think there's, there's multiple reasons. Um, professionally, I think it was, it was about time. So I've worked in the national and local setting, but I've also worked in the regional context. Um, so there was like an opportunity to move here and work in a, in a more global setting. Um, Germany is, of course, like an environmental and climate leader um, in this space. Um, so there was that opportunity. Um, personally, um, Mel and I are very adventurous. So we take a lot of risks. We love traveling. So we felt it was a, it was a good fit for, for both personal and professional reasons. Nice. Okay. So before we go further, no, we want to know how the experience of moving to another country during a pandemic was like for you? So technically, I actually moved to Berlin middle of 2019. So it okay. was pre-pandemic, um, but I was traveling quite a lot. So I was moving back and forth in the Philippines, uh, going to the US. Um, so so it, was, it was easy, but we were also waiting for my wife's visa. So last December 2019, um, I, I went back to the Philippines for the holidays and we waited for, for my wife's visa, which came in like a couple of months after. Um, so the two of us moved to Berlin in February of 2020, which is like a month before all the lockdowns mm. in oh various countries. <laughs> um, but we were already anxious that time because my wife um, was pregnant, like I think three or four months. Um, so when we were traveling, we were the only ones wearing masks in the airport because it was starting mostly in, in Asia, yeah. um, but it was spreading quite fast. So it wasn't that difficult. I think we had like some lead time um, just to just to to move our things around yeah and settle settle down so it it wasn't as difficult as we thought it would have been during that mm -hmm. time so do you did you have any support in terms of like paperwork finding an apartment since you said you moved here 2019 um did anybody support you with that and also like since your wife is pregnant did you find like support um, finding a doctor here for her and for your baby. Right. So the organization helped us um, by providing uh, legal and, and tax support. 
So we had like a lawyer who was helping us with the papers. We had a tax consultant who's also helping us work with the tax returns. Um, our colleagues, my colleagues helped me find like a, a good apartment. So this is like a, an apartment of a friend, of my colleague. Um, so we didn't go through all that sort of um, stories about <laughs> difficulty about finding like a place in, in Berlin. Um, and then we had like really uh, several friends introducing us to people that we that they know in, in, in Berlin who've helped us. Um, we also joined, for example, like expat groups in, in Facebook. And that's where I actually met Christelle. Because I posted uh, yeah. <laughs> randomly and, and, and she, she messaged, she responded. And that's really just a testament to how Filipinos are really friendly and, and, and helpful in general. So we really appreciated that. Um, so with Christelle and a few of the people that we know here, um, they've helped us sort of navigate, especially those related to my wife's pregnancy, finding a doctor. Uh, what are the things that we need to prepare for um, and, and all that. So we had a, a pretty good support system, I would say. So I, I guess we're, we're just lucky and having all that during that time. It's actually good that you already have that kind of support like early on, because I think moving to Berlin in itself is already a challenge. What more Dubai in the middle of the pandemic and then with a baby? For you know, sure, yes, yes. Talk yes. about <laughs> like major life adjustments. <laughs> but you know, you also had your baby in Berlin, just like when all the lockdown has just started. Can you like give us a glimpse of how parenthood is like in another city, in another country, and in this whole crazy situation? So just to um, first make a, a strong point. I think my wife is like the, the main star here. I'm more of like a, a supporting actor, player, but more really of a, <laughs> of a winning team. So really mm-hmm. kudos to all the, the mothers out there, especially of very young children during during the pandemic. Um, it, it is very difficult. I, I won't romanticize or sugarcoat this. Um, moving to a new city, um, during a pandemic and becoming like a, a new parent. But this is not our first time to be an OFW. No? So we've also lived in Singapore, mm-hmm. but it's just different dynamics because we were, mm-hmm. I mean, the two of us were living back then, but we were, of course, like single. And it wasn't during the height of a pandemic. So mm-hmm. it, it is difficult. Um, but but there are a lot of good things that comes out of this. For example, seeing all our babies' milestones, um, never missing a thing <laughs> because you're with mm-hmm. them 24-7. I think it's also, you just get reminded every day of really what matters and personally why I do what I do. Um, and this is really for, for the next generation. Um, and it's just really a constant reminder of, of what a beautiful life it is despite all the circumstances and difficulties. Wow, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. So you've been living now in Germany since... I don't know, two years, almost two years now. Mm-hmm. What are you most thankful for being here? And what did you find convenient maybe mm-hmm. um, um, as opposed to maybe living in another city or another country? So I think we, we definitely love the parks and that everything is, is walking distance from our place, from our apartment. So the pediatrician, the ob the, the, the dentist, everybody is just like five minutes um, mm-hmm. away from us. So, so we love that. Um, we, we love that there's a, a lot of greenery in, in, in Berlin and it's just really a walking culture. So, so we love to walk as a family. That's more of like a, in the general sense. Um, I think it's really just being grateful for, for your family, for health, for work. And then I'm very grateful for this ube cheese pandesal that get, gets delivered every <laughs> couple of months. Um, 
<laughs> I'm not sure if I can plug that. <laughs> I, I, I've met this person a couple of times already just delivering this. Um, but but yeah, I think it just reminds me of home and really, mm-hmm. yeah. So That's true, no? Like being able to just walk around in the parks and getting fresh air, it's one of the highlights of living here for me too. Also in the middle of the um, lockdown, ba, or in the pandemic, that's one of the things that's actually like making us breathe. That's I think it's, yeah. literally, it's really so helpful because kahit na nasa lockdown tayo, some of the people out of Germany ask me, lockdown ba talaga kayo? Why are you outside? But then kasi, if, well, let's give them an idea. There's a lot of parks in right. Berlin, in Germany, right. and everything is literally just walking distance. It's true what you said, Pao, na walking culture here. Eh. I mean, I don't think I've walked so much in my life since I moved here. Like 10,000 is like an average, 10,000 steps, average number of steps a day. How about you, Dean? No, I don't walk that much. But you do a lot of sports. So, you know, yeah. I think it's one of the better better benefits no, we got from living in Berlin. That's true. Yeah. Although I, I do have to say that admittedly, we haven't explored really the city as much as we would hope to. Um, just mm-hmm. because of the of the pandemic, I mean, we visited Berlin a couple of times in the past, but really as tourists. Um, so I guess just because of the of the pandemic, we we don't have that much of a luxury or like opportunity to really go to the museums to visit like the art and the culture scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that we're going going to the clubs and and bars, uh, but we would want to at least experience that as well. <laughs> so there's still a lot of things that we are looking forward to. Um, yeah. After after the, the pandemic, don't worry. You mga bars, there are some baby friendly bars. But, um, <laughs> so pwede nating dalhin ng mga kids. Pag tapos na ang craziness na to. But we've talked about your the first few months and years you've spent in Berlin. Um, now maybe you can tell us more about the work that you do and um, what is rare your company uh, doing. Sure. So I lead the policy and partnerships team of the biggest program um, in Rare called Fish Forever. So we are an environmental organization that really focuses on the use of behavior change and behavior adoption to address some of the biggest environmental issues uh, that we are currently facing. In Fish Forever, we are uh, we are solving the issue around coastal fisheries and overfishing um, and all the different various challenges that coastal municipalities face. Um, so we, in, in my function, in my role, I, I help various coastal nations, our country teams, help progress some of their policy objectives. And that includes securing policy commitments, financial commitments from the governments for coastal communities and for small scale fisheries in general as a sector. Um, so we tackle issues around biodiversity, oceans, climate change. Um, and one of the biggest initiatives that we're about to launch in the next few months is this global network of mayors of various coastal municipalities. And we aim to gather 500 mayors who will specifically pledge to commit actions uh, to help the environment and the various issues that their municipalities are facing. Okay, I'm not sure if that's a lot. You can just add <laughs> it. But... No, that's a good answer. And yeah, that's a good answer. And I'm super interested. Does that involve, the, is it global? Is it? Tapping all countries. So currently, um, we're working in nine uh, countries. So the very important coastal nations, which of course includes the Philippines, uh, Indonesia, Brazil, Mozambique, the Pacific Islands, um, and a couple of more. Um, so currently, that's that's our geographic focus. 
Um, but we would, of course, want to and hope to expand um, in the future as well. And I'm wondering, how did you get into environmental and conservation work in the nonprofit sector in general? My experience, it's not very common in the Philippines that people go into this um, mm-hmm. field. So I'm just like very happy always to meet <laughs> people in the same field. And yeah, just tell us how you got there. That, that, that's true. Um, it's, a, it's a long journey. Um, there are different milestones. Um, I guess growing up um, when I was in high school and university days, I've always been passionate and active in various social causes. So there were a lot of like triggers uh, growing up and really understanding social issues and being exposed to those that led me to work for, for a nonprofit. Um, one of those significant experiences that I've had is right after graduation, I was part of this Lasallian Youth Commission, which is composed of all the various Lasall schools in the Philippines. And we did like a caravan for 14 days advocating for children's rights in central Visayas. I was in a juvenile delinquent um, area. And then I was casually having a conversation with this person. Uh, we'll call him Jason for, for, for the purposes of this. Um, and I asked Jason, oh, Jason, ano bang ginawa mo? Bakit ka nandito? Um, and I kept asking him that. And I was like 17, 18 years old. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have. Um, and, and after like maybe a couple of hours, he did share to me. I mean, we were in one corner and he did share to me that he, he and his friends actually killed somebody. Um, and so first, my initial reaction was like, I shouldn't have asked the question. I thought that juvenile delinquent was really just about petty crimes. But that triggered a lot of various questions in my mind, recurring questions while growing up, right? So for example, why the Philippines with so much talent, with so much hardworking people, and then Filipinos would always excel in abroad, right? Um, mm-hmm. So why the Philippines would still remain to be poor? Why the country with so much natural resources, we are the center of the center of marine biodiversity that's proven over and over again, still remain poor. And why the Philippines that prides itself, for example, to be 95% Catholics with strong religious background and and values, etc., still perpetuate that culture of corruption, of greed. And, and I know that we keep blaming each other about this. We blame the poor for being lazy. We blame the rich for being greedy. We blame government for being corrupt and the source of evil in some instances. But during that time, I was supposed to go to med school, but I realized that we, we need to do our part. Um, and so I joined one of the biggest nonprofits back then uh, called Gawad Kalinga. So we were building homes for the homeless, um, securing land for, for the landless. One of my first few assignments was actually to be based um, in, in Mindanao for a couple of months. So I was in Basila and I was in Zamboanga. And for a city boy who was never exposed in that culture, that was like a, a big eye-opener for me. Um, so that really just motivated me to do so much more for, for, for the country, which eventually led me to understand also a lot of these environmental issues. Um, so both social and environmental uh, justices are always connected. Um, mm-hmm. And it's always the underprivileged that suffer from from both of those injustices. That's very true. I think for me as well, I didn't start in the environmental field, mm-hmm. but I've always known that I wanted to work in the development sector. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, for me, it started with women and gender equality mm-hmm. because um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I studied um, in Ogre school all mm-hmm. the way. And mm-hmm. for me, that really raised a lot of awareness. It was hard finding a job in women and gender equality field. So I kind of ended up in environment. And 
for me, it was more of a coincidence than um, what your journey has been. Mm-hmm. Right. I think all these issues are very much connected to each other. Um, so they're all intertwined. Um, and, and it's easy to be passionate about one thing and actually move to another issue just because you see those integrations and the, the things that you actually do now do contribute to, to all those that is very true. It's intersectional. You know, all of these justice issues, they're all intersectional. Mm-hmm. And whether you work in climate or um, in social justice or in race or women, mm-hmm. um, everything's interconnected. And I think that's a very important um, point to highlight. Do you have any advice then for people to care more about their impact on the environment? Right. I think my, my general advice um, for individual actions is that um, first, you really have to understand the issue. So just building that whole knowledge and awareness um, and, and talking about it, I think really matters a lot. Um, so that's one. Uh, the second one that I usually communicate is really everything that you do, um, every single action does contribute. No, So for example, taking less flights and recycling um, or just being more cautious about your um, carbon footprint or just bringing like your your kachat bags <laughs> instead of using plastic that those yeah. all contribute. And the last advice is like is really just understanding the urgency of the issues. Uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of like scientific and technical reports about what our earth and the environment will be in 2030, much more in 2050 if individuals, if governments and if the private sector do not take action right now. So the urgency is there um, and everybody has a has a role to play. For me, it it goes both ways. You know, you need to take individual action, but also um, governments and companies and institutions also need to do something. Exactly, exactly. I think everybody really has a has a role to play. Like my focus is really about mobilizing governments to take stronger actions. Um, in various levels, now the national government should be able to establish uh, legal and regulatory pathways to help enable the environment further. But you also have to have local governments taking action because they're the ones closest to the resource. Mm-hmm. And in our case, like ocean and marine biodiversity, um, which is usually managed, of course, by, by local governments and, and municipalities. It's so enlightening to hear these words from you both, especially since I'm also not from that industry or that sector. It's really good that you're sharing. Mm-hmm. Both of you are sharing what you know. We totally agree, Crystal. I think the momentum is there. Um, and especially, for mm-hmm. example, with our host country right now, Germany, there's yeah. the awareness and, and really the, the actions and the advocacy that happens around issues of climate change, of biodiversity. It's so high up there. It really just gives you like a good environment or at least good space to keep on talking about it and taking small bite-sized actions and really understanding that all those lead up. Uh, to the greater good and impact. Mm-hmm. Now that you mentioned yung host country natin being Germany and then coming from the Philippines, all of us, um, sometimes whenever we go home, or at least I go home, I observe na parang sa mga supermarkets, like sobrang dami talaga nung plastic sa supermarkets. Like even the vegetables are in these wraps, which are completely unnecessary So Philippines to, ah. And then every time you go back to Berlin, you'd see na parang they're really trying to be more conscious of how they package all the things. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you wish and wonder na parang sana sa Philippines then no ma-apply. But then there's a whole lot of 
discussion that mm-hmm. should be done mm-hmm. and like education for the people back home and also for us who are we only are really aware of it because now we see that there could be improvements naman pala right I, I do also have to commend that even though we see that in our day-to-day living for example in the philippines mm-hmm. there has been significant stride in trying to address um various issues no so in terms of plastic there's been a, a lot of municipal and city ordinances about banning single-use plastics so you have to commend the government for that On April 15, the Philippines also submitted their official nationally determined contributions, which is the Philippine government's commitment to reduce their carbon emissions um, by 75%. Um, while it is not a perfect NDC, as you would have called it, I don't think there is any. Um, I think it's an important step that the Philippines took in their commitment towards addressing climate change um, and really building climate adaptation in, in the cities, really especially as a, as a vulnerable nation as we are. Thank you for that information, Pao. Like these are some of the things that's really worth sharing, not just you know for our listeners, but also for the other Filipinos to like know more about. Because sometimes um, we are critical, de ba, of the mm-hmm. things we see back home in the Philippines, and then compare it with the things that we see where we are now. But it's great to know that there are efforts like this, mm-hmm. which also help out the country. So. Talking about like your mag um, little efforts, similarities. We know you've been working remotely for mm-hmm. a year. How has the working culture been like for you when you started in 2019? I, I think everybody is kind of new to this, so we weren't really re- really prepared. And of course, uh, in the past, I, we'd usually participate in a lot of these international negotiations and conventions hosted by by the UN um, agencies. So it was a, a, a very difficult shift for, for a lot of us. But at the same time, there were a lot of like opportunities to collaborate more, to experiment more, uh, to work directly with our country teams. Um, so I've been working mostly with our eight countries, plus the, our European office and our headquarters in, in, in the U.S. With regards to similarities with, with work culture, um, everybody has always been globally exposed. So I can't pinpoint really if, if that's from a, a culture, one culture to another. Um, but I do have to say that everybody's very, very passionate about, about the work. And they communicate these same languages that I've just shared, right? The urgency to do something right now, uh, the importance of both working with various organizations, governments, and individuals. I, I do have to say that one of the things that they've noticed working with a Filipino, and not to overgeneralize, we do smile a lot. <laughs> so they're, they're all, they always wondered why why a lot of the Filipinos every time. For example, you have like Zoom calls and there's like a few Filipinos in the call. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's just 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 happy. And I think it speaks about really our nature um, and and really our our culture. Um, we are a happy nation. We are a happy mm-hmm. people. And I think it's just really about looking at, at the bright spots or the silver linings of everything. Of, of course, other na- nations and cultures would also have that. I think it was just like a, an observe, um, observation that my colleagues have always shared about me and about um, the other colleagues uh, in the Philippines. That's a great way to put it. No smiling always. Kaya the stress kana ino smiling But yeah, that's true. <laughs> you have to meet a deadline and you're still smiling, <laughs> flashing your best smile. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Aside from smiling, do you think there is a uniquely Filipino? culture trait that you 
bring or offer to the German community or the people that you work with in general? Mm-hmm. I think coming from from a nation like the Philippines, uh, which is considered one of the most vulnerable to the effects of, of climate change, I think it just grounds me to the reality and of, of the work um, and of the urgency of the work. And that's, some, that's a perspective that we bring to the table every time we would have conversations um, uh, about issues like climate change and, and the environment. Yeah, so let's do some Spitfire questions about your life in Berlin and about you as well. Yes, so we'll start, Pao. Favorite app that made your life in the city more like convenient? So a lot of great apps in Berlin. I love the startup culture, but one of the apps that we truly valued during this time, um, it's called Cotasker. I think it's a, it's a startup. Um, so they provide um, help and, and small tasks uh, to various people. So we've been using that, especially for tasks like grocery shopping, etc. So that really helped us, especially because we're taking care of like a baby. It's it's hard to, to go around. So. Do you have any favorite German food? <laughs> Currywurst. Love it. <laughs> Kailangan mo pang mag-explore pa, oh, no? Uh-oh. After ng after lockdown, mag-food trip tayo nila, Di. <laughs> favorite supermarket find? Because for sure, marami kayong trips sa supermarket. <laughs> I think the variety of, of cheese we love and, and bread, mm-hmm. parang really just being exposed. There's a there's a um, organic supermarket uh, in our apartment. So we, we, we love that, yeah. <laughs> Maybe an interesting German word you've come across. Ah, uh, Umweltschutzer, which means environmentalist. I'd have to memorize that during my early days. <laughs> my translation, I'm not sure. But I've been using that. For the, for the tax, bayan. that's why you had to memorize it. And I introduced myself. Oh, uh, introduce yourself and then sa mga tax, as occupation, sa mga tax forms. Okay. That ends the Spitfire questions. So, Paul, do you have any advice to those wishing to move to Germany or abroad, any word of wisdom you can share? Uh, maybe not words of wisdom. I'm sure there's there's quite a number of other OFWs living in Germany who'd have more insights of this because I'm pretty yeah. new. But one of the things that, that I do at least tell myself is really just just being grounded on your why. Why why you've moved, why you're moving, why you're planning to, to relocate. And, and really embrace the, the challenges, the culture, and the whole complexity of, of moving to a, a new country. And really treating your host country with, with utmost respect. No? So uh, the host country does provide a lot of really great things for um, migrants like ourselves. Um, so just having that deep sense of respect um, for the culture of, of the country. And lastly, really just to enjoy the journey. No? So um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an exciting one, really, moving to a, to a new country. We've done this twice already. Um, and there's always new challenges, but there's always, it's always a, a big adventure. Sorry, can, can I also make a last plug? I think for, for your um, Filipino listeners, um, yeah. 2022 national elections, local elections is coming up. It would be great if you register yourselves, um, visit the, the embassy. I think the deadline is September, September 2021 of this year. Um, that's also a specific action that you could take in contributing to, of course, like the Philippines. Thank you so much. That's a very good reminder. Pao, thank you for sharing your stories with us. And thanks for that wonderful time. 
Maraming maraming salamat. We'd love to know you more when the situation's a lot better. We could go for walks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Maraming maraming salamat. And thank you for, for this platform to be able to connect to our the Filipino community in, in, in Germany. I've listened to the your past podcasts and, and I've learned a lot. Um, and it's just enlightening to also hear the experiences of our other fellow Filipinos here in Germany. So congratulations to this effort as well. Thank you. Thank you. But before we go... Cook and Zeit Stories is now on Instagram. Check us out at Cook and Zeit Pod and get updates from time to time about the stories we're featuring here, our guests, and what to expect in the coming episodes. So, bis zum nächsten Mal. Hanggang sa muli. Tschüss. Paalam. Bye. Bye. Bye.